Ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, let's get ready to Hebrew. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be trans. Um, exclusionary. Exclusionary, yeah. yeah. Just say people. Folks, welcome to Hey Brew, the story about podcasting. Nope. No. <laughs> Just do it like you normally do. I'm trying to remember. Welcome to Hey Brew, a show about beer and storytelling. Each week, one of us brings a beer, and they tell us a tale. My name is Elliot. My name's Mike. I'm jazzing it up a little bit, apparently, there. A little bit. A little bit, a little bit of free form. Yeah, it took us four attempts. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, any beer news since the last hour and 20 minutes? Uh, well, let me tell you. About an hour ago, uh, I had a really nice beer. Sick. It was from Chur, or Behemoth Brewing, as they're known in New Zealand. It was the Ross and Rachel... IPA, I think. Hazy, Hazy IPA. IPA. Uh, it's yeah, oh, look, we're, we're doing two, we're recording two episodes today, so this one's going to be a little bit spicy. That's right, it's a double. Bah, 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 bah. Well, no, this one's still coming out two weeks after the last That's one. That's right, it's a single. Bah, 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 bah. For us, it's a double. Not doing it a third time. No, nope, don't. Um, um, any beer news for you? No, mate. So <laughs> Same. The, so the delightful lamb salad, though. Yeah. Hmm. Mike, do you want to just kick straight into the beer then? I mean, I guess we should, but there's no point trying to stretch this out. We've got nothing. Um, oh, I don't know. Like, what? I went to Bodrigi last night and... Yeah, we um, talked about that. No, we didn't. Didn't we? No. Okay, we'll go on then. Oh, I went to Stomping Ground and Bodrigi. Oh, Stomping Ground's got a new IPA actually called G'day G'day. It is very decent. I know it is. It's like 7%. Just a standard sort of IPA, nothing yeah. fancy. I haven't seen them do a hazy at all. I'm quite looking forward to when Surely they're doing they a Nipah. No, I haven't seen it. Um, Bodrigi's still got the um, microwave Nipah. Yes. Cosmic Micro, I think it's yeah. called. Very decent. Yeah. I think I've, I'm going there, I think, in a, in a few weeks, actually, um, for a friend's. In uh, about 40 minutes. Yeah. No, for a friend's uh, going away party. Um, that'll be the first time I've been there in a little while. VDs. Yes. You'll have a great time. Yes, I will. Yeah. Uh, I haven't interviewed Mountain. That's just opened up. It's been there a while. Has it? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Um, but I haven't been either, and it's kind of basically up the road from me. Yeah. Oh, I went to Moondog World again recently. There you go. To watch the Super Bowl. Yes. That was good. $5 cans. That, that is good. Yeah, they massively undercharged us. Yeah. Um, because they they were like, oh, is this your food and drink bill? And it was like nine beers, <laughs> um, three sets of corn dogs, two sets of nachos and a, and a chili dog. And then like um, we'd also had a round of coffees or two. Mm. And um, Lewis, who went up to get the bill, looked at it and was like, oh, you've missed a couple of the flat whites off there. And they were like, oh, we won't charge you for them. And he's like, okay, no worries. Chucked down his card, came back, showed me the bill. We'd had like 15 beers. Sorry, I'd had like 15 <laughs> beers. So like, and then didn't charge for the coffee either. So we'd like underpaid the bill by about 70 bucks. Yeah. We're pretty happy. Yeah. I mean, if they're charging $5 a can, you'd yeah. be happy to begin with. It was sick. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Anywho, should you we want, beer it? Should we look at this beer? Let's do it. The one that, that I've brought today. Uh, I actually brought all the way with me from Nelson, New Zealand. Oh, that's where you're from. It is. Uh, yeah, this, this uh, like my last episode, it's one of the beers I brought back when I was over there in December. So slowly working through, uh, I, I guess I'm a beer importer. I don't know. I don't want to say that because it implies that I need to pay GST. Beer mule. Yes, beer mule. I'll say that. Um, no, so this is from Eddie Line Brewery. Um, they were, I've got some information here. Uh, so they, they started in 2009 in Colorado All right. in, in the U S. Um, there's a couple by the name of Mick and Molly Heinekamp, I think H E Y N E K A M P. It's quite a name. Yeah. Um, Heineken. 
almost uh but yeah they they took a trip to new zealand at some point and fell in love with it like it's basically like uh you know between the mountains and the scenery and the people it's apparently very similar to colorado i can't say that having never been do you know i really thought you're gonna be like between the mountains and the scenery and the people it's a pretty nice place and i was just like you can't fucking do that oh i can because it's true uh, so they fell in love with New Zealand, which I completely understand because we're fucking great. Yeah. yeah New Zealand's uh, fucking lovely for the record. But that led them to open another one of their breweries in Nelson. You're right. Uh, in 2016, I think it was. Um, and they've done this apparently in a few spots around the world. It's usually like smaller communities uh, and they do it with the aim of actually like integrating with the local community and kind of uh, with their food and drink culture, culture. Um, which is best evidenced by a beer that they put out once. I don't think it's not part of their core range, but it was a wheat beer that was produced using local boysenberries. You've told me about yeah. this beer. So it's, they're like, um, I'm trying to think how to describe the size of a boysenberry. It's like about half the size of my thumb. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like this dark purple beer. Uh, sorry, dark, pe- dark purple berry. Um, but very tart. Yeah. They're, they're a little more tart than a raspberry. They're very juicy. Uh, the beer came out purple. Um, it was delicious, but I could only do one pint of that because it was also quite like not confronting, but like the right it's amount intense. of the right amount of confusing. Where I was like, I need something a little less complex after this. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, Stuntberry. Yeah, well, yeah, a little bit. Um, but yeah, Nelson also has. Uh, I didn't write it down, but it's like they've got a bike trail that basically goes around the entire region. It's called like the Great Taste Trail or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which being that they're from Colorado, they like the outdoors. Like it's a probably a big draw card for them. That's sick. Um, but they, they ended up selling the brewery to two longtime employees and friends in 2018 uh, so that they could move permanently to New Zealand. All right. Yeah. That's so sweet. pretty delightful. Um, but the beer itself... Uh, it's called Island Life. It is a grapefruit mango IPA, according mm-hmm. to the front of the can. I've not had this one. I've had a few of their beers, having been over there uh, a few times since they opened up. Um, so, yeah, I reckon we just we just get into it. Let's give it a crack. Yeah. Oh, lordy. Smell. It's, it's, it smells like a um, grapefruit or mango, like grapefruit mango pop. Yeah, that's insane. You all right? You look confused. Yeah, it's just like Nelson being known for hops. I wasn't sure if this was using any of them because it says U.S. hops on the side of the can, hmm. and doesn't actually say what specific hops it's using. Anyway, sure doesn't say us hops. <laughs> us, we hops. Uh, shall we taste this beer? I present myself as funny. I regret <laughs> everything I've ever done. Good God, that's grapefruity. Yeah. But without the shit bit of grapefruit in that it's disgusting. <laughs> um, grapefruit itself is awful. And anyone who says that it's a breakfast is an idiot and a liar. But this tastes like grapefruit without the bad, which is all the... Well, I think, yeah, combining, combining with like a bit of mango flavor yeah. probably balances that out pretty Fucking. well. That's quite nice. Blimey, it's intense. Yeah, very strong, like very strong fruit flavors. Yes, um, I think... This... If, if we were sitting outside right now while it's nice and sunny, this would probably go down a lot quicker. Jeez, we could record outside someday. Yeah, they're nice. We could. I don't know about the, the ambient noise of the pigeons on my roof. The ambience. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Give you that. Mm. Um, wow. It's a, yeah. yeah, very fruity. Very. It, it um... smells very strongly of the grapefruit. Mm. Um, not so much of the mango, even though I'd say like no. the aftertaste on it 
the mango's a little more prominent. Yeah. It's you can smell the mango as well. Yeah. Um the the hop flavor is not too pronounced either, which is no. compared to the last beer. There's a good uh, little bitterness we, again we in the last but... episode. Like yeah, a little bit of bitterness, but if I feel like if there was more of that, it would be that shit part of the grapefruit you're talking about. Yep. It would taste more reminiscent of that. Yeah. So I was trying to work out whether that bitterness comes from the grapefruit or comes from the hops. And I think it might actually just be a very subtle combination of the two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind this actually. Um, no, I don't either. I yeah. think um, also with the um, with the right um, weather, I think that could be an mm. absolute fucking storm yeah. over some of it. So yeah, like, uh, yeah, if, if you ever end up in Nelson... Um, recommend going there yeah like they got this this nice little space uh they i think the brewery they have in nelson is actually bigger than their original one back in colorado but they also oh, have a, they also have a, a uh it like a stone fire pizzeria oh, nice. in there as well and it's like a lot of their beers are sort of ipas um or things like that um yeah they got some really good stuff in there um and everyone there's super nice yeah highly decent yeah um it has just reminded me um, when I was in New Zealand last time, around mm. December, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, or mm. even to you, I went to a thing with uh, one of the girls in the zero office. I messaged her and said, hey, look, I know you're into your beers. It's going to be a bit weird. Can I ask if you fancy going into a couple of breweries while I'm over there, hang mm. out? Haven't got any mates there. Bit of a guide. Sure. She's like, absolutely. Mm. Um, paraphrasing quite a bit. <laughs> There's a weird beer thing on at a brewery nearby where they putting out like mad flavors of beer that day. Mm-hmm. I had a steak and kidney beer. Ooh, you did not tell me about this. It was mental. You don't remember I mean, the name of the brewery? Uh, I could find it. It's no, in Auckland. It's, right. um, it's not a regular item either. Okay. Like it was just insane. It wasn't a beer that I would drink a lot of, but it definitely was kind of tasty and you could taste steak. And that, that was going to be a question. Like how, how did they bring that flavor in? Did it work? I don't know how they did it. It was yeah. a darker beer. Um, I would hope so. And yeah, you could just get that like kidney taste through it and then like mm. a gravy-ish element. Like, yeah, man, it was fucking bizarre, but it was yeah. quite good. And oh, I ended up very, very pissed that oh, night. I imagine. Very pissed. It's like I uh, recently went to a uh, restaurant in the city. And, like, it's basically part of a, pub that's modeled after an english pub um you got like sherlock holmes and then above it's dr watson oh right yeah i was like yeah. where the fuck did you go um so yeah, the, sherlock holmes is good so the sherlock holmes downstairs actually looks like a british pub dr watson upstairs uh they share a kitchen but upstairs just looks like a regular sort of bar okay um but i got a steak and guinness pie from there yeah god it was good once we finish recording and editing, do <laughs> you want to go get some pies? We, uh, we did this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we yeah. couldn't get any. Yeah. And by a couple of weeks, I mean like a month, two and a half months yeah, look, ago. By the time we're done with this one, I'm going to need to eat. Uh, we'll figure that out. My lamb salad was good, but it's yeah. not a pie. Yeah, yeah. my people and your people, they'll talk and we'll get some food. <laughs> you say my people and your people, we both come from good pie stock. <laughs> we don't mix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> Very amusing. Mm. Oh. All right. Any other any uh, other thoughts on this beer? No, before I'm we, just thinking about fucking pies now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jesus. What do you say we move on to something that's not at all related to pies? Mm. All right. All if right. you insist. All right, fine. <laughs> fine. It's your episode, I guess. Yeah. Let's get into the fruits of my labor. I hate you so much. So we've got a beer from my hometown, from my home country. Uh, today, we're actually going to look at a part of New Zealand's history that... I wish I knew more about before I researched this story, mm-hmm. um, which is the Rainbow Warrior, um, mm-hmm. which growing up, 
like like the events we get into happened in sort of like mid mid 80s and i was born in 89 so it by the time well by the time i was in school it was something that was like referenced here and there but there was it was new zealand history then yeah um and it, it wasn't like you know it wasn't totally relevant anymore but we'll 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 get into that yeah. um so the rainbow warrior uh was a greenpeace boat uh used in some anti-whaling anti-seal hunting and mainly anti-nuclear uh campaigns uh during the 1970s and the 1980s uh the ship uh mostly what it's known for the, the ship was bombed in 1985 while it was in the port auckland harbor uh in new zealand um where it sank as a result i did not know this yeah yeah this is why it's new zealand history yeah right because it got bombed it's a greenpeace anyway um yeah so like i said this was something that i heard bits and pieces about growing up but i never really knew the full picture like we didn't get a huge amount of education about this while i was growing up um so i personally like i personally wanted to dig into it now to kind of better understand my own country's history and i'm and when i was doing this i was kind of thinking about maybe the next couple of episodes i do there's more things like this and i've got a bunch of beers from back home that i kind of want to do a bit more of my own country's history more so to just teach myself that's cool um so we might see more of that in future episodes absolutely my country's history is just fucking mess (laughs) well some of my country's history is your country's history some of my country's history is every other country in the world's history unfortunately for everybody else anyway so We'll, we'll set a bit of background first. Uh, Greenpeace acquired the Rainbow Warrior in 1977, uh, prior to which it had been a trawler uh, named the Sir William Hardy, which was in use by the UK Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries and Food. Yeah, right. Fair yeah, enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, they paid £37,000 for it at the time. Bargain. Today, that would be £231,000 or 449000 Australian dollars. Still kind of a bargain. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big the Rainbow Warrior was. I am, for some reason, I'm imagining massive. It's a big boat. Um, that's, that's twenty-one footer. <laughs> that's a, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. it's a boat. It's a big boat. How many long tons? How many nautical meters was it? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't write that down. Um, Sorry. The, so the, they they got it in 1977. Uh, the ship then had a few months of work done to it to kind of refit it for mm. what Greenpeace need a boat for. Um, before it was relaunched as the Rainbow Warrior in May of 1978. Um, so the name Rainbow Warrior uh, actually comes from a North American Cree Indian prophecy, uh, which states, when the world is sick and dying, the people will rise up like warriors of the rainbow. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And to be honest, I was kind, just of, kind of fucking poignant. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So... The Rainbow Warrior was involved in a number of Greenpeace efforts mm-hmm. in the Northern Hemisphere prior to 1985, uh, which is when it moved to the Pacific Ocean to join campaigns against nuclear weapons testing, uh, including uh, relocating 300 people from uh, 300 Marshall Islanders in May of 1985 from the fuck. Here we go again with more ah pronunciation. Yeah, Yay. from the Rongelap Atoll. Uh, so it's an area that had been polluted by radioactivity from previous American tests at the Pacific Proving Grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably heard of the Bikini Atoll, mm-hmm. where a lot of American nuclear weapons were, were yep. tested. Um, but that practice had stopped after the Partial Test Ban Treaty was signed in 1963. 
but it turned out that France had actually been in on the action of testing their weapons in the, in the Pacific Ocean. France is a prolific nuclear weapon haver. Yeah. Very See, quietly. I didn't actually know this going yeah. in. Yeah, more um, than I, we I, do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't even know the UK was big into a lot of oh. n- nuclear testing as well down there. I mean, yeah. We're quite militant. Well, it's one of those things like a lot of the talk around nuclear weapons is framed in US versus Russia. Yeah, it's because so at the sort of height of the stockpiles in the sort of late 1930s, thousands, mm. like the US had like a few thousand, like mm. we're talking like three, four thousand. Mm. The European countries like France had like a few hundred and mm. like England had less. Yeah. And then Russia had like 17,000 because yeah. they were just like, we'll just make them en masse. Mm. Um, so Wild. yeah, between 1966 and 1996, France had actually conducted nearly 200 atmospheric and underground nuclear tests in French Polynesia. Christ on a bike. Yeah. Uh, so namely, they were done at the Morudoa and Fungatolfa atolls. Uh, the first one, Morudoa, uh, is the one we're, we're going to talk about more today. The other one didn't, uh, didn't factor into the okay. story. Um, so back with the Rainbow Warrior. Uh, so 1985, like I said, moved down to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, after helping those, those people in the Marshall Islands, uh, it headed to New Zealand to Auckland uh, the plan uh, was for the Rainbow Warrior to lead a flotilla of private yachts uh, to the Morodoa Atoll to protest French nuclear testing in the area mm-hmm. um, it's important to note that at the time um, you know not everybody is aware of what the political climate was like back then um, a lot of Western nations were seeing these kind of protests against nuclear weapons yeah CND uh, was really big yeah, you had, uh, like like we said, the USA, Britain, France, they were all developing and testing weapons in the Pacific. Uh, in 1984, the New Zealand Prime Minister at the time, David Lange, uh, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce that, it's L-A-N-G-E. Yeah. Uh, Wait, L-A-N-G-E? Yeah, pretty sure it's pronounced Lange. Oh, I would have gone Lange. Yeah, but I've never heard anyone say Lange in my life. Fair enough. Anyway. Flange. Yeah, like that. Uh, so, yeah, 1984... He had barred nuclear-powered or armed ships from entering New Zealand waters. Yeah, right on. Um, which would later become uh, like a core part of the 1987 nuclear-free zone legislation that New Zealand put into place. I mean, sorry, I'm kissing ass, but fucking New Zealand's good. Yeah. Uh, that nuclear-free zone legislation still holds to this day and is a large part of our sort of foreign policy. Um, you know, whenever topics around nuclear power come up, New Zealand is very much like, fuck off with that, actually. Mm. Um, so, 10th of July, 1985. Uh, where are we? So, yeah, Rainbow Warrior. It's in Auckland, Port of Auckland. Um, Steve Sawyer, uh, one of the crew aboard the Rainbow Warrior, uh, was celebrating his birthday on the boat uh, with the rest of the crew and some guests. Uh, it's just before midnight. And things are sort of winding down, uh, people heading to bed, that sort of thing. 11.38 p.m., an explosion rocks the boat. And I, I didn't realize that was a pun when I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at me suddenly very seriously, and I was like, Ooh. I was like, I, I heard myself say it, and I was like, oh, I've done it again. Well, an explosion will do that. Yeah. Uh, some, but not all, of those on board evacuated the ship. Uh, a Portuguese-Dutch photographer, Fernando Pereira, uh, who had joined the crew to document the nuclear testing that they were going to protest, uh, he went back below deck to try and retrieve his camera equipment. Uh, at 11.45 p.m., a second explosion occurred. Uh, the remaining people on board 
got off the boat Stopped. with the exception of Pereira, a yeah. Pereira, I think. Uh, he was caught in the flooding that occurred and unfortunately didn't make it out. Ah, oh, sucks. Uh, the Rainbow Warrior then sank a few minutes later as a result of, you know, two holes being blown in the side of yeah. it. Understandably, the New Zealand police launched an investigation within yeah, minutes. No, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. That's one of them urban things, like when people go on fire for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Spontaneous combustion. Yeah. That, was, sorry, that was a really, that was a weird peep show reference. Oh. <laughs> you try and get me sectioned? No. What's one of them urban things? <laughs> um, so... It so happened that members of a nearby boating club that night had been watching out for people stealing boating equipment. Um, it, it, like, not related. They just happened to be hanging out watching. I have a question. Like, who's stealing boating equipment if you don't only really have a boat? And if you've got a boat, you probably should have boating equipment. It's a boating club. No, but I'm saying, like, they were looking out for people stealing boating yeah, equipment. Yeah. If you don't own a boat, well, why do you need boating equipment? I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Um... <laughs> So around 9.30 p.m. No, wait, we need to cut. No, sorry, yeah. Cara. <laughs> uh, at around 9.30 p.m. On that, on, the, on that night, uh, they noticed a man wearing a wetsuit pulling an inflatable dinghy ashore after they'd sort of come in under a bridge. Fuck, that's some James Bond shit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, that man was picked up by a couple driving a, a camper van, and one of the boating club members who spotted them uh, took down the license plate number, uh, which they gave to the police. Uh, it turned out to be a, a hired camper van um, from sort of a nearby... Nearby oh. depot, uh, the staff at the depot. Uh, I think it was like a couple of days later, they'd stalled the couple when they went to return the van, uh, so that the police could arrive and arrest them. Yeah, whoa. Yeah, this is some James Bond shit. Wait, fuck, it gets better. Okay, the couple, who claimed to be Swiss newlyweds, were found to have fake Swiss passports, and were in actual fact French DGSE agents. Uh, I'm assuming that's their intelligence service. Their external uh, intelligence service equivalent to the MI6 in the UK or the CIA in the US. Right. Uh, By the name of Alain uh, (laughs) Mafart. Mafart. It's almost even funnier than Muff. uh, Mafart. I I don't know. Alain. It's definitely Alan Mafart. Alan Mafart and Dominique Prieur. can't we do anything with that one? Yeah. This is going to be another episode where we have funny names. Well, I just, I, I hope, no, I've written it later on again. I have to say this. Fuck. All right. Anyway. So the French government, as an ally of New Zealand, uh, denied involvement with the attack and oh. joined New Zealand in condemning it. Oh. Uh, the French embassy in Wellington, New Zealand's capital, uh, denied involvement as well, saying, and I quote, the French government does not deal with its opponents in such ways, but it's their allies. Ooh, I hadn't considered that. Yeah. And also I'd like to... No, well, I think it's implying that the Rainbow Warrior is an opponent. Maybe. But 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 the claims from New Zealand were like, this is on our territory. Yeah, like, that's point. You know, you can't just do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to add that, no, they don't deal with them in that way. The French way to deal with their opponents is to run. Classic <laughs> 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 British joke. Uh, uh, so, I mean, we were at war with them for the best part of a thousand years, but still. Yeah. Uh, so the stories of Mafat and Priya broke down over the coming weeks, and the police discovered evidence of a bigger operation. Story of who, sorry? Uh, Mafat and Priya. Only care about the first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they discovered evidence of a bigger operation that involved more than 10 French agents. Uh, the French government continued to deny everything for two months following the attack. Fucking dicks. Yeah. So, before we kind of progress with that 
I'm going to go through now a section I've called How to Bomb a Rainbow Warrior, which is actually a description of how they did it. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Can I just say before you do that, you just reminded me of something when you were talking about the guy putting the dinghy on shore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a podcast I listen to occasionally called Do the Right Thing, where one of the guys on there was talking to talking about how he went wet... <laughs> wetsuit diving once but he went dry suit diving oh yeah and he's like that's the real james bond one where you unzip it and there's a tuxedo underneath and no one knows so you actually have your own clothes underneath yeah and um have you ever been surfing or worn a wetsuit and stuff like that no but i'm familiar ish with them okay so there's a there's a particularly sort of foul and good way to warm up when you're in a wetsuit you piss yourself yeah yeah it's the standard everyone does it Everyone does it. Yeah, um, no, actually. Okay. That's um, a real thing. I've been around people that like do yeah. a lot of diving and that's just what they do. Yeah, you piss. It's yeah. just one of the things. Anyway, his, bro- his brother and he went diving and stuff in dry suits. No, oh, no. His brother forgot he was wearing a dry suit and just pissed inside it and just pissed <laughs> his clothes. So when he got out of the other side, he's just like, uh, and then had to like tip all the piss out. <laughs> tip all the piss out. It's a terrible phrase. <laughs> uh, just like thanks i hate it just piss <laughs> just, piss, just piss thanks so good uh. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine bond turning up like unzipping his way <laughs> I'm just zipping. just just oh no i've done it again white tuxedo underneath and just be like Oh, oh, bugger. Yeah. That's how Bond sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking covered in piss. Oh, no. Okay. Shite. <laughs> Fuck. Bond, James Bond, pissed him sin again. <laughs> I'm just... Well, one of you has did it. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> what the fuck was it? Was it you and I talking about the other week? Something like... One of you voted for the Liberals. <laughs> the one that I sent you? Yes, that's it. Well, someone did. Disgusting. It wasn't me. <laughs> one of us did. Disgusting. If anyone doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about, please stop listening to the podcast. Uh, well, uh, it's too much effort to post a link to that. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> How to bubble room before you. Let's get into it. So, there'd been another three French agents on board a yacht called the uh, O-U-V-E with an accent and then an A, so Uvea, I guess. Over. Oh, ooh, it's O U. It's not O. O U. Over. <laughs> I don't like it. It's uh, like, uh, isn't that egg? Is something like that? What's egg in French? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, no, another three. <laughs> wrong. Another three agents on board a yacht called the Uvea, uh, which was used to import limpet mines that were used in the bombing. I thought you were going to say limpets. I was like, weird. Okay, limpet mines. mines. Way more sensible. Yeah. Uh, so here's how they actually you know, carried out the attack. So during the birthday party on that night, uh, there was a guest present who was in reality a French spy. Dude, this is fucking wild. This yeah. is like Hitman. This is a Greenpeace boat. This is... Imagine whose birthday is like, oh, like, hi, who are you? It's like, oh, I'm Dave. I Bonjour. am not French. I promise. <laughs> I am from New Zealand. Bonjour. Uh, je suis Hemi. Hemi. Yeah, it's a real classic, like, Maori kid's name. Oh, right. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. He's just got, look, I have a tribal tattoo. <laughs> but he's like, sorry, uh, this is my lo- birthday. I don't I'm, know I was you. I trying to think how to say kia ora, but in a French-English accent, and that's really difficult. 
Get out of Yeah, it's, that sounded like I just trying mistaken. To, trying to like tr- ch- both choke on your R and roll it at the same time. Yeah, I feel like I was having a stroke. Yeah. Um, but no, can you, didn't you imagine? I'm like, hi, this is my birthday. Who mm. are you? It's like, yeah. ah, I came here with... Uh, Steve? What is a uh, good New Zealand name? I came here with that guy, Jonah. <laughs> nice. I don't know what the accent was at the end there. Yeah. Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. Let's continue. So... French spy. This is literally bullet point one of like eight. Um, <laughs> Sorry, <was> really <laughs> so uh, they were there to observe things and take back the information to their colleagues. Uh, the spy left the boat just after eight pm. Around eight fifteen, those were the those of those that were there that were involved with the flotilla heading out the next day. Um, or I think it was the next day, but the, the, the people in charge of the yachts going to the protest at Moruroa in French Polynesia, uh, they went below deck for a planning meeting. Uh, meanwhile, outside uh, French combat divers were attaching the two limpet mines to the hull of the ship below the, below the water. French have taken quite a lot of dives in combat. Hey. Uh, they had crossed the harbour in the inflatable dinghy that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, sick. Yeah. Uh, this after, is such a good story. After planting the mines, the divers swam towards the Auckland Harbour Bridge to be picked up, while the pilot of the dinghy headed to a different location to be picked up by the camper van, which they got spotted by the people looking out for people stealing boating equipment. That's ah, fucking wild. Yeah. And then 11.38, first explosion, 11.45, second explosion. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't even, I didn't mean to scat there. Um, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know where to begin. Like, this is just yeah. like, it's so wild. Yeah. Wait for the next bit. Um, oh, that was good. Yeah. So uh, I think it was like 2017. There was a, like, uh, what is it? It's like an information request to the New Zealand government mm. where they, like, declassify documents and things like that. Yeah. And you can go and find a declassified, the new, like, the declassified report from the security service in New Zealand about this. There's still redactions and stuff, but some of the information in here is from that. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. Can I just add, by the way, that the UK is currently declassifying a lot of its UFO reports. Ooh. Yeah. Mostly bullshit? No. Okay. How dare you, sir? I don't know. Anyway, uh, within a few days of the attack, New Zealand police were confident of involvement from the DGSE, i.e. the French CIA or... Whatever you want to call them, CIA. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we, we. Uh, which was actually something they th- <laughs> see one of those little like fives on the bottom of yeah. it. <laughs> um, but this was actually something they stated publicly as well. Well, the New Zealand police were just like it was the French. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. That's uh, power move, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. a heavily nuclear armed ally. Yeah, the people of New Zealand were decidedly angry about all of this since France. Yeah, no shit. Since France, an ally, uh, had carried out a terrorist act on New Zealand territory. I was about to say New Zealand soil, but yeah. Yeah. Territories. Yeah, it's water. Um, The New Zealand government at this point actually stopped calling it a terrorist act, but moved to the more colorful definition, and and I'm going to read the whole quote here, a criminal attack in breach of the international law of state responsibility committed on New Zealand's sovereign territory. That's a a very big, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. (laughs) A little bit. Um, Can I say by the way, I thought you were going to say, New Zealand stopped calling. I was like, (laughs) Like you up? Come on, yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, France. That's it. I'm not. Come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear lord. <laughs> uh, um, 
so New Zealand, when they were like talking to the the UN, obviously, uh, they used the whole breach of international law bit uh, to argue against any claims from France uh, t- that they were trying to justify what they did. Um, and yeah, so then France started their own inquiry into the events, uh, led by someone called Bernard Tricot. I wonder how that went. Yeah. Uh, this declared that the French government was innocent of involvement in the act and claimed that the agents that had been arrested but had not pleaded guilty yet had just been spying on Greenpeace. One. That's fucked up anyway. Somebody bombed it. Two. <laughs> Must have been the shortest fucking uh, inquiry I, ever. Yeah, I don't actually have... Uh, the dates on it. So I just looked and we're starting an inquiry and it turns out we're innocent, but yeah, in a French out, accent. We're fine. <laughs> Does that no problem? Um, <laughs> but also three. No. That man's name was Trico, which I yeah. believe is a Pokemon. Maybe. I don't think it's spelled the same way. Anyway. Uh, the UK yes. newspaper The Times and French newspaper Le Monde uh, published claims and evidence that uh, actually they were very much involved and that French President Mitterrand had approved the bombing. Uh, following these revelations, Defence Minister Charles Hernou resigned, and the head of the DGSE, Admiral Pierre Lacoste, amazing French name. That is a fucking French name. Uh, he uh, got, hello, my name is Pierre. Uh, this is just a fun excuse to do accents yeah. more, but hello, my name is Pierre Lacoste. Yeah, he, Lacoste, Pierre Lacoste. Yeah, he was fired. Well, yeah, from fucking yeah. Canon, I hope. Yeah. Uh, on September 22nd, 1985, uh, French Prime Minister Laurent Fabius uh, invited journalists into his office. Laurent Fabius, also quite a great name. Yeah. Uh, so, attack was 10th of July. This is late September, same year. Uh, French Prime Minister invites journalists into his office in which he publicly admitted that the bombing had been a French plot. Fuck! And that they'd covered it up. Double fuck. Yeah. I lo- I thought you were going to say something like, he invited journalists into his office, denied it, but then like, fuck you. On the table, there's like, the bombing plot of Greenpeace, like <laughs> mapped out. He's like, yeah. oh, this thing? Just slides it into the bin. This, this is, is nothing. This is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. That's going to be up now with our cheeseburger fucking spring roll moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <sighs> No, I'm Prime Minister Pepe Lapu. Pierre Lacoste? No, that was someone else. Je m'appelle Lacoste. Pierre Lacoste. Zero, zero, sept. Ah, nice. <laughs> All right, you want to hear about what happened next? I do. So, I really do. So, as you can imagine, I'm sure, there are a whole bunch of repercussions. Uh, I'm going to go through them one by one. I've got six of them listed here. Uh, there's other bits and pieces, but these are the, these are the interesting ones. Uh, so, for one thing... The two French agents that were arrested, uh, you know, the fake Swiss newlyweds, yeah. uh, they were we, charged with manslaughter. Uh, yeah, because old mates died, doesn't he? Yeah. Pereira. To which they pleaded guilty, earning sentences of seven and ten years, respectively. Uh, the UN then negotiated a settlement that meant they were transferred to the Hau Atoll, a French military base in French Polynesia. So it's kind of like, there's more details about that settlement in a bit, but it was like an agreement that they mediated between New Zealand and France. Wow, what an unbelievable fuck you. Also, it included a large financial settlement that France had to pay, which I'll get to in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, The Rainbow Warrior was refloated for examination 
uh, but was deemed too fucked to repair. Uh, was that in the official That's report? the legal definition. Uh, then oh, we've scuttled the boat. You've what? Oh, we fucked it. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and so it was then uh, scuttled in Matauri Bay, uh, which is sort of near the Bay of Plenty's, uh, Bay, Bay of Plenty in New Zealand, I think. How far um, away is scuttled, by the way? It's very good. Um, but that, that wreck... Um, that's now there. Uh, it's an artificial reef. I was going to say, and, a, reef it, and yeah. a dive wreck. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, piss yourself down there if you want to. If, yeah, I mean, you don't need to be a diver to piss yourself. <laughs> Just going to say that now. Fine, I'm doing it. Chase your bliss. Start um, pissing, stop pissing. I bet you're loving <laughs> this, Mark. After a ton of international pressure, in 1987, France paid 8.16 million US dollars to Greenpeace in damages as well as compensation to the family of Fernando Pereira. That is not a lot of money for sinking... In 1987, though, that's a fair bit. For sinking a boat and killing someone. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, there were different numbers for the amount they paid to the family, which were not that $8.16 million, Okay. Which I didn't put down because they were different currencies that are now defunct, and it's a, it's a whole thing that I didn't... Franks. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to try and do the math on that. Yeah, right. Um, a lot of New Zealand's other Western allies failed to condemn the act... So the UK, but yeah. So like the UK, the US, they failed to really like. Yeah, because they fucking wish that they'd done it. Well, or were they? They glad someone did it. Well, it was more like the whole thing was kind of centered around nuclear weapons, and they were all yeah. definitely involved in the whole shit. Can I just say, uh, in my anger, I've sat back here, folded my arms, and pulled <laughs> the mic so, closer. You are so far away from the microphone, though. Yeah, because I'm I'm furious. Like, um, <laughs> I realize it's not any of our fault, but I'm yeah. so mad about it. And like <clears> this, this failure con- to condemn it, like. It continued even after some of the revelations about the truth had come out. Um, this was actually a big factor in New Zealand pursuing a much more independent position in world politics, uh, distancing itself from the US and focusing more on its relationships with other South Pacific nations. Yeah, fucking right. Which, which is why now it's like this you know, four and a half million people country, but it's like one of the most progressive Western countries in the world. I would probably say the most uh yeah the most past yeah, scandinavia I, I was going to say yeah like past scandinavia are also quite shit to immigrants yeah um so yeah like this whole thing was like actually maybe we can't trust our allies as much as we thought we're just kind of going to do shit ourselves now yeah we're going to do our own thing yeah good yeah um in june of 1986 so i'm so mad about this i don't know why june of 1986 so that's uh, a, a year after the attack uh france agreed to pay new zealand uh, oh, 30 million New Zealand dollars to New Zealand and apologize, uh, which is what was exchanged for the two prisoners, which I mentioned before. Mm. Um, so they were, where am I up to? They were then returned to France from the atoll, the military base, Just uh, and freed well ahead of when their sentences would have ended. Fuck it, of course. I mean, I also want to add, I didn't mean to say Kelsapriz because it's a French thing. But I, didn't, I didn't even catch it. Um, so them like taking those prisoners back and freeing them was actually deemed to be in violation of the agreement. Yeah, right. Uh, so the UN Secretary General awarded another 3.5 million New Zealand dollars to establish, and this is the funniest fucking name, the New Zealand France Friendship Fund. <laughs> Lame. Yeah. Um, What's that going to be for? For French and New Zealand students that want to go to the other country? I I I, I don't know. I didn't look into it I just thought the name was fucking dumb it's pretty funny um, in 1991 French Prime Minister at the time Michel Rocard uh, R-O-C-A-R-D Rocard by name Rocard by nature um, <laughs> yeah. 
he yes he delivered a further personal apology for the whole mess when he was in New Zealand. I think had a, a further personal three point one million. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there we go. I guess it's all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me get my checkbook. Do you take Amex? Oh no, no one does. Uh, Amex. And finally, the the flotilla of yachts still sailed to Mororoa Good. With it, without the Rainbow Warrior following the attack to protest the French nuclear tests. Uh, between the outrage around the world and the additional support Greenpeace had taken uh, as a result of the attack, uh, the the French tests were stopped. Good. Like it actually fucking worked. worked. All they um, had to do was kill someone. All they had to do was sink a boat and kill a man. Um, however, yeah. France... All they had car- to do was basically commit an act of war. Yeah. Uh, however, another French test was carried out in 1995 before France decided to end nuclear testing in the area in 1996. So obviously they did the one in 95 and people were like, hey, what the fuck? And then they stopped. But I got one final note, which is kind of related to that. You looked concerned there. Am I going to be furious? No. Oh. That's actually kind of like a nice way to round it out. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, like I said, in 1995, France carried out what would be their final nuclear test in the Morodoa Atoll. Uh, Greenpeace had sent the Rainbow Warrior 2, which is a, which was a separate boat acquired in 1989, mm. so not a result of the bombing, but it was one that was built not long after the first one, but they acquired okay. it later. Um, so yeah, Greenpeace has sent that boat into the Morodoa Atoll uh, as part of you know another protest towards the French tests. During these events, French commandos boarded the Rainbow Warrior 2. When asked for their names, the Greenpeace activists all gave just the same name. Manuel Pereira. No, Fernando Pereira. Fernando Pereira. Fuck yes. And yeah, there's, there's, there was a whole bunch of like other really, uh, really nice tributes that Greenpeace in New Zealand paid to him and his family. Um, but I thought that one was that one was like a real I am Spartacus moment. It was yeah. very cool. This is also the second week running. Oh, no. Well, I guess fourth. We go with this. Sp- anyway, second time on the Mike episode that I've been like, yes, my boy, the, the unnamed man on ship. Well, this one was named. Well, quite named. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that uh, that is the story of the sinking of the Rainbow Warrior how France carried out a fucking terrorist act on New Zealand soil in the 80s. Hold my actual dick. That yeah. is mental. Yeah. Fuck, I don't even know where to go. Like, not France, obviously. I knew there's well, a reason I'd never been there. <laughs> it's right next door to England. I didn't even know where to begin. That's... Yeah. It's genuinely yeah. wild. It's Imagine, a story um, I knew nothing about. I'd um, never even what, heard of this. Me neither. Like, I knew the boat was sunk, but I didn't know any of this other stuff and the fact is if it wasn't for the fact that it was at the height of the cold war mm. and it was a western ally mm-hmm. it would have been absolutely bananas yeah but this is like iran sinking and blockading ships in the gulf at the moment yeah it hasn't happened for a while but that was fucking insane mm. like people were absolutely losing it be losing it a lot more if it wasn't for the fact they were using like Saudi weapons and using like you know and, and half and, it, and half of it's funded by the US yeah yeah like Jesus Christ yeah well yeah I, I, I haven't really got anything like I'm surprised it hasn't happened before or since to be perfectly honest mm. because like Sea Shepherd and the Rainbow Warrior and stuff like that they're a bit, a bit like you know contentious mm. for well, I mean, like, yeah Sea Shepherd as an organization is a bit more 
militant. Yeah, they're a bit more like controversial because of their tactics. Did they just they blow shit up, don't they? Or they scuttle stuff. Yeah, they like they were doing stuff around like aggressively boarding ships and just like doing like because Greenpeace, uh, at least at the time, and this is why it peaceful. Well, this is why it pissed France off so much is because they didn't know how to deal with nonviolent protesters. Mm. That's like, and this is how they respond is they fucking bomb their ship <laughs> with a the, fucking clandestine operation. There's a mad irony in the fact that the way that they deal with clandestine, uh, excuse me, the way they deal with non-violent protests now is, is violence. violence. Yeah. And they're still doing it. Yeah. France is a country which is very, very prone towards protest as well. Yeah. Ever since the French Revolution, they've had a very, very yeah. active protest movement in France. Yeah. They've just had firemen strikes over... Christmas. Mm. The irony was they were turning the hoses on them. Don't really know what to do with that, but it's true. It's like it's just mad, <laughs> wild. Well, um, I, I I don't know what to do. Like in terms of like I'm I'm just reeling from this. Like yeah. it's not like that shocking, but I guess it really is. Yeah. Well, it's it's it, not it, like it, you've told me someone's died. No, but it's like well, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of like these sorts of things. They happen time, like time and time again around the world but like nowadays they feel like they're a little more hidden away this was very much just out in the fucking open mm. well this was like when the um this feels like the larger scale version of like that Novichok attack that happened in the uk mm. um i'm not pronouncing that correctly i don't know you know what i'm talking about though i think so so that poison gas attack that happened yeah. on that um former spy yes about last year yes 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 which I need to probably catch up the news on. Mm. And then you had Alexander Litvinenko, who was uh, poisoned in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Who looked a lot like Paul McCartney, <laughs> which is my constant thing, I think, about him. Yeah. And then you had, um, there was a chap during the Cold War who got spiked with an umbrella filled mm. with rice in, I think. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, those, those things happen, but they're, they feel like they're hidden away. Yeah, and also it's usually like, not to like paint with a brush, but Russia did it sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, this does make me think it would be quite fun to do it. <laughs> quite fun. Quite interesting to do an episode on like extrajudicial extra extra yes. assassinations. Yeah. So things like all those things, Polonium, you know, Novichok. Yeah. Vinyanko, and, and things like how... Like, in some cases, countries can extradite, and in some cases, they're completely out of touch by the law. Yeah. And then, like, com- like organizations like Interpol get involved, and it's that stuff is Not just a great band, folks. Yeah. But that's, like, when parts of this story where it touches on the UN, it's, like, there, there's, like, that's kind of your last resort when you're dealing with, like, another yeah. country fucking your shit up. It's like when things go to the Supreme Court, and I'm, like, mm. like that's it. Like, you don't have any mm. other options. Like... Yeah. That's why, like, all the stuff around people like uh, Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, that's why some of that shit is such a mess, because they go to a country where you cannot extradite from, and then they just hole up. Yeah. Well, and then, you know. Assange in the um, Ecuadorian uh, embassy. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, mate, Assange, I, I, I never knew really what to think about that whole thing. Mm. Um, and the same with Snowden. I mostly irritated that Snowden's become some kind of celebrity, um, kind of mm. core celeb on the um, on the subject of security and and you know social liberty, etc. Yeah, partly because 
A, he doesn't really have any expertise in it. He just pointed this one thing out. And no, then, he was literally working at like NSA or something. No, but I mean, he's not like some social liberty specialist, like professor or anything like this. Mm. But he gets dragged into all these conversations all the time. Mm. But then like the other thing is B, yeah, he was working at the fucking NSA. Yeah. Like he's not that fucking high and mighty. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Silly bastard. But then Assange, someone pointed out something. They were like, it was a comment section. They were like, um, I genuinely don't know how to feel about Assange's mm. um, imprisonment and, you know, what's going on with around it. And they were like, Julian Assange is a person who has done a lot of bad things. A lot of bad things. Yeah. He is currently under arrest and um, being tried for the one good thing he did. Yeah. And I was right. like, huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm. Like, he did a lot of shitty things. Yep. We can't excuse those things. No. Just because the one good thing he did is the one thing he got caught for. Mm. Very, I thought it was a really interesting take. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So, <laughs> yes, let's go not take a boat ever. Well, maybe just not a Greenpeace boat. Yeah. It's inherently riskier. Statistically. Yeah. They have two boats. One of them is gone. They have the Rainbow Warrior 3. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Better name after that. Um, all right, Rainbow Warrior 2 Colin Cruise Control, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> electric Boataloo. Um, also good. Okay, so if you are into boats, you will find none of it on our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. But actually, that's not true. This is the second boat themed episode we've done recently. Oh, we yeah. do a lot of wet episodes, actually. Yeah. Okay, if it's, you're, not, it's not planned. I, I have to stress that. Do we just both want to just run away and join the Navy or something? Is this I mean, a thing? No. No? Not me, anyway. No, me neither. Uh, Merchant Navy. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Um, if you like nautical nonsense, mm. um, you can find some of it, I suppose, on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter yep. at Hey Brew Podcast. Mm-hmm. That is Hey Brew Podcast, but all one word because... Hard to say it's one word because it sounds like I'm just nonsensing. Hey, Brew Podcast. Hey, Brew Podcast. Mm. It does sound like ibuprofen, if you pronounce it incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> My mum pronounces it ibuprofen. No. And I've called it that ever since no. I was a kid. And it's only when I got to about 25, someone's like, that is not how you say that word. Ibuprofen. Yes. Ibuprofen. No, I can't even Ibuprofen. Do- oh, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't like that at all. Dialysis. Wait, that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Dialysis. Don't know why I picked that word. Dialysis. Diat. Dialysis. Yeah. Hello, is this ISIS? <laughs> I'd like a delivery. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult now. With the French government now out of the game, if you want a boat sank, dial ISIS. Mm. You, want a, you want a boat sunk or you want your kidneys fixed? Dial ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. This episode's been very good. Yeah. Um, all right. So as well as those things, we also have an email account. Mike, we'd like to talk about it. Uh, no, you do it. All right, fair enough. So we have an email account. <laughs> it is reachable at hello at heybrew.zone. That is hello at heybrew.zone. Send us things. I want to see things, whether it's recommendations for episodes, recommendations for beers, things you have from feedback, whether you've just got something you want us to talk about. Or just a picture of a thing, apparently. Oh, I'd love a picture of a thing. If yeah. someone sent me a picture of a thing, I'd be really happy. Yeah. And I think um, that's what I really want for Christmas this year. You've got eight months. 10 months to get going. Yeah. Um, I had to look at my watch. I was like, what fucking month is it? Yep. It's almost payday. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, And then on top of all that, we have heybrew.zone, the website. Yes. 
and you can find us on all your favorite streaming things for podcasts. Well, you should be able to, but if you can't, let us know. And go to Hayboo.zone anyway. Yeah, like we should be able to figure it out. Like, yeah. Or you can just get the RSS right. feed off the website and put it wherever you like. Yeah, and when Spotify buys, and screw <laughs> the rest of you. Um, and then finally, if you like us as people or the show, don't care which, yeah. please leave a review, give us a like, hit the subscribe, we really appreciate the support. Yeah. And we thank you all so much for listening. Yes. Yes, we do. That was really sincere and yeah. genuine. <laughs> felt, and I felt warm and fuzzy. I concur. Yeah. And call you all sea bombs in a minute if you like. Don't Not sea bombs, the kind of bombs that you use to blow up a ship. <gasps> what? What a, what a callback. What? <laughs> this has been <laughs> educational. It's been episode 24. Christ. Mm. We're coming up for the one year anniversary. What are we going to do? Uh, Blackout. Yeah. Just get absolutely rat Oh, I thought you meant turn all the lights off. Oh. We'll, we'll talk about it. I'm going to roofie you. No. Again. Let's talk about this off here. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I have... This has been Hey Brew. Yes. I have been Pierre Lacoste. <laughs> no, I have been Mafat. <laughs> <laughs> What's French for cheers? Le cheers? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how do we not make a cheers joke in the last episode? We did. We said cheers at the end of it. But I mean like... Oh, I don't know. I anyway. nothing. I've been Elliot. I've been Mike. Cheers. Le cheers. Le cheers. <laughs> oh, yeah. We should definitely do more of them just blasted. Prost. <laughs> Prost? I think that's German? Yeah. For drink. Yeah, I'm just trying to look out. So, right, we're not going to look it up. Mm. I mean, we are eventually, obviously, because it's going to do my head in. Slanty is Irish. Prost. Um, what's the Italian one? Ciao. Yeah, just Google it. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought so. Uh, let's go. Oops. It'll detect. No, but I want to do it the other way around. English 2. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, so just change the second one. It'll auto-detect. Yeah, you can't auto-detect the language you're translating into. No, I can write it over here. No, you can't. There we go. No, that can't be no. right. No. No. I don't like that I at all. I refuse to believe that. Google it. Um, French for cheers. Yeah. Oh, it's the same word for surrender. Weird. <laughs> How to say cheers in French like a native. As opposed to like... Who are the first peoples of France? No, oh, I'm thinking like of the Gauls. As opposed to like uh, a, a Creole, like New Orleans French mm. or whatever the other one in Canada is. Oh, come on. Quebec and French. Oh, fucking hell. Are you fucking kidding me? How long is this? Why is it not just... No. No. In different situations. They do just say, a votre santa. Get the fuck out. This is why no one likes the French. Take on the to chin to chin. Fuck me. Is that pronounced chin chin? It's pronounced like chin chin. Yeah. Oh fuck, that's where that comes from. Is it? Oh, it's chin chin. It's chin chin. <laughs> no, I've thinking, been saying that for so long. You're thinking of Tintin, the French. Oh, well, I thought you were saying Belgian t- comic. The, the guy who I look like. Yeah, that's the Belgian comic book. Hmm. It's pronounced tin. How to say tonton. cheers in French in brackets and avoid seven years of bad luck? Now we're talking. No. <laughs> Santa. Why do I have a table of contents? Fuck reject this. Uh, 
the French love to drop words when they speak. It's common to hear Santa. Okay, so they just fucking avoid half of it. Okay, I want to hear it. One sec. Santé. 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 You got to be that. Santé. Santé. You got to be that chirpy. Santé. Or uh, Chin Chin originated in China. That makes sense. Where Chin Chin, which used to say, please, please, as a way of inviting people to drink. That's like you're begging someone to have a drink. Please, please drink with me. Please. Please, please. Please, please. please. But that may be the only one. <laughs> I don't want to drink alone. Chin Chin. So the Chinese. Wait. I hate that. Yeah, it's so not much. French at all. Fuck off. 